time ago, and we were talking about why Jesus Christ said he'd come with a sword. And we went through the things of the flesh, that Jesus would use that sword to cut off. Because there has to be a cutting off of our old sinful nature. There have to be things that are cut out of our lives, that are removed out of our lives. And we're going to really serve the Lord. And there are many things that have to be dealt with. And oftentimes in this life that we live, there are things we don't want the Lord to touch. And yet God knows that thing has to be removed if we're going to really be the people he wants us to be. And that's what is sometimes quite difficult for us. Uh, there's times you don't want to have surgery. The, uh, my family physician, he tells me most likely eventually, because you're going to have another back operation. And I'm saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I already had one, and I'm not, I hope not to see another one. And I told him, we're going to go through all the therapy we can go through before that happens. But it is amazing how God then has to work. And we're trusting in Him to work. Because there's things that we don't want done. And when those things in your life that you don't want to let go of, you're like the song just said. It's too much for you. And you've got to say to God, God, you can remove it. You can do your divine spiritual work in my life. You can do it. When you get into Galatians, and remember I want you to understand, Paul is speaking to Christians. So when we talked about that first part, the acts of the sinful nature are... Obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, and hatred, and discord, and jealousy. We went through all each one of those. We took each one of those to see that God has to remove that stuff from our lives. And He says, Those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. For some of us, a lot of that will be removed when we see Jesus face to face. The promise is he will continue to work in us. Because he who has begun a good work in us will continue it until the day of Christ. And then he moves from there to the gifts of the Spirit. Or the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to suggest to you, and hope I can show it to you in Scripture, that when he starts in verse 22, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and we're going to take each one of these, one at a time each week, that this is not the same gift as is mentioned in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. This is the character of the Holy Spirit reflecting himself in your life. These are not so much functions outwardly being performed as they are inwardly being performed in us that we might portray the image of Christ and this God that we love. It is the character or the attitude of the Spirit on display in your life. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. In Romans 12, 6-8, they have been called the administration gifts. But I want you to turn there with me real quick, because I want you to take note of something. Because oftentimes we find ourselves differently about these things and, and we find ourselves arguing about them. And I know for some they say there is no more gifts per se of the Spirit. And my argument with that is simply this here. 
if the flesh counts for nothing, then what can the flesh do that will glorify the Lord? And if what is of the flesh is always sinful, then who's doing the work through me? Now, I want to suggest to you in this perspective, spiritual gifts may differ. And if you think this is all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has, it's just what's mentioned in the book, in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, then you're missing the Holy Spirit. This don't even begin to let us know all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he might at his discretion, used through you. It's a really a limited amount of gifts. But oftentimes, we fall into that area. In Romans chapter 12, pick up with me. I'm going to start off in verse 6. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same functions. So we don't all have what? The same function. Now we're all going to do the same thing. So in Christ, we who are many from one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. We have different gifts. According to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing in the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And I said some call these the administration gifts or leadership gifts. I don't care what you title them, they're of the Spirit. Now stay with me. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Pick up with me in verse 4. He starts off by saying in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. But look what he says, but the same Spirit. So all those different gifts are being administered through the people by who? The same Spirit. Now, go a little further. There are different kinds of services. So there are many different services that might be performed, but he says, but of the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but of the same God works all of them and all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, so these gifts are for what purpose? The common good. They're not for me to show off. Not for you to show off. Now, I believe in sometimes with people... The Holy Spirit uses that gift, and they're not even aware of it. And then there's times you are much aware of it, because you know that's not you. That's not you. And he goes on a little further. He says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of the one and the same Spirit. Now catch this last part. And He gives them to each one just as who? There it is. 
If the Spirit no longer exists, then the gifts no longer exist. If the Spirit still exists at His will, at His pleasure, at His time, He may express or manifest His gift through us. We've got a custom of saying, my gift, and not mine, is His. I'm only a vessel being used. We need to get that correct. We're just vessels being used as we are obedient and yield to the Holy Spirit. Then he's able to manifest. I think there's a lot of Christians that we are out here trying to live this Christian life all on our own. And we're doing Christianity out of the area of duty rather than living in the Spirit, by the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to do it through us. And I understand that's hard. Easy said. But boy, it's hard. Because even with myself, i got to pray, Lord, don't let this be of Gus Brown. Don't let this be of the flesh. Don't let this be of vainglory. Don't let this be of my ego. Don't let this be of this or be of that. But Lord, it be to your glory. By the Spirit of God that worketh in me. And he says, these things are all by the Spirit. Here's what I think is different between what is in Galatians 5.22 and what's in 12, Romans and 12. And what's in Romans 12 and what's in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe the Holy Spirit can duplicate those things. He can duplicate a word of knowledge. He can do something that makes us think that's wisdom. He can duplicate speaking in tongues. And that's why so many churches today, they don't want if somebody speaks in tongues that there be an interpreter. But scripture says if you do it, they ought to be what? If it is done, it ought to be done according to Scripture and how Scripture declares. Paul said, forbid it not, so we won't forbid it. But if it's done, there ought to be an interpreter that the whole body can be what? Edified. We're not edified by everybody just speaking in a bunch of tongues. Nobody knows what anybody's saying. That's not being edified. But in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe Satan and his demons can duplicate those things and, and, and act out those things. And we think, boy, God's at work. What the Satan, what the devil cannot do is what we're going to look at in Galatians 5. He can't do. He cannot do. Let's go through just a little bit first. I want you to catch this picture very well. Go to chapter 13, and it's strange how 13 follows chapter 12 when talking about the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 13, he comes to this place and he says, in verse 2, you can do all these things, but he ends up by saying, if you have not love, you're nothing. Now, you can show all these powerful things and spiritual things, but if you have not love, you're nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing. Now, what I want you to catch is this here, because it's important. How these gifts are going to be seen and functional. It's the attitude in which these gifts will function, and they will not be of the flesh. They will not be of the flesh. So the word itself there, love, is agape love. Satan can't copy that. Satan cannot copy God's love. Oh, he can use the word love, but it's always going to wind up in the sexual, the immoral area. But this love that God's talking about is the love that has your best interest. 
even if I suffer, it's for your best interest. Agape love. And he just says there in two, yes, I can do all these things. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom the mysteries and, and, and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. So I can do all these things, but if I really don't love the people that I'm serving or the person that I'm working with, I'm nothing. I'm just showing off. In verse 3, he simply says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I've gained what? Nothing. I've gained nothing if I don't have love. I gain nothing. There's a lot of people in ministry for self-love. It empowers them. It strengthens them. It's a show thing for them. It's an ego trip for them. Love has to be about the other person. Agape love. When you get to four through seven, he describes this love. For that we have some knowledge of being able to look and see, boy, this is real love. Because he defines it here. And then he tells us something about love, the characteristic of love. And this is only God's love. It never fails. It never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Genuine love never fails. Genuine love will break down every wall. Genuine love will touch the heart of the other person. Some of you have heard me mention Guy Coleman. Guy passed about a year and a half ago. Went to his funeral and when his wife saw me, she just hugged me. And then the daughter, you're Pastor Brown. yeah. And Guy and I, when we first met, we didn't get along. Well, Guy didn't get along with me. I was hired in at Chrysler, first skilled tradesman. And the thing that takes place is this here. Guy tells me, I don't work with any niggers. And I said, I don't either. You know. And that started our relationship. You know. And had the privilege of seeing Guy come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And when Elaine and I were through with school and we moved back up here, every Christmas he would take us to dinner. Him and his wife. Love never fails. Love never fails. And that's why in Galatians 5 there, it starts off with, there must be what? Love. Because love will never fail. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Very first one. And I think it's important in the order in which God puts these things, the Holy Spirit. He's the author of the Word. And I think there's something important in the way in which He puts them. And He says, it'll never fail. He starts off with love. Because if you don't love the person, you're not going to be able to hang in there with the person. In 1 John 4 and 8, it says, God is love. He describes God. God is love. But more than that now, it's more than God just saying He loves us because most of us will ask this question. God, if you love me, do what? Show me. We say that to, the, to our mates. If you love me, what? Show me. Then in Romans 5, 8, it says God demonstrated His what? His love for us. Because love has to be what? Seen. Seen in an action. Seeing that you really care. Seeing that you really are genuine in what you're saying. That you want to help me and you care about me and you love me. That that's honesty. 
coming from your part to the person that you're going to minister to. And that's important to understand. That you really do demonstrate a love for that person. That you care for them. How do you demonstrate it? Through your godly love that only the Holy Spirit can produce in you. If the Holy Spirit is not producing a godly, agape love in you for other people in ministry, when you do ministry, then it's going to be your ego trip, it's going to be your pride, it's going to be your vainglory, it's going to be your own self-need that you're satisfying. It's going to be out that you are out to prove that you're the best or you're number one in this thing that you do. It is to show off your knowledge and what you're able to perform. Ken, come here a moment. Trayvon, come here a moment. Jasper, come here a moment. Come here a moment. Trayvon, come here. Come here. Come on up here. Run, you're a young man. Let them can walk. Last time you call somebody up and dance with them, I'm not dancing with you. <laughs> man, I can't even give you a holy kiss. <laughs> I want you to catch this eye demonstration. Okay? Get behind me. Everybody, everybody just kind of line up behind me. Problem with this, it can be a pride thing. I'm the leader. Everybody's following who? I understand what Paul says. When Paul says, follow me, for I follow who? If Paul just left it, follow me, it would have been a big problem. See, our goal is not to get people so much to follow me. That's not the thing about ministry. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus says. I once called you servants, but now I call you what? Friends. The servant always walked where? But friends walk where? Go that way, you guys. Just, just line up. See, when I minister to people, I'm not trying to get people to follow me. I'm trying to get people recognize we're brothers and sisters in this, and we're all following who? Christ. And when we're lying this way, we're all equal. There's not one person out front. We're all equal. Because at the cross, we're all what? In the sight of God, we're all what? And that's what love really does. Love doesn't say, you're inferior to me. Love says, I want you to come on up here with me. And walk alongside of me. Can, Can you see the difference in the picture? A lesser love says, okay, you stay back there. But real love says, no, I want you up here with me. And if possible, I want you a step ahead of me. I want you to be better than me. And that's what love really does. It lifts people what? Godly love does. And it brings us up where we're equal with each other. Okay, thanks, gentlemen. I, I, I hope by seeing that you can see the difference between one out front and other people behind, or we're all we're all equal. You know. Why? Because it's not an ego trip that we're on. Real love brings people alongside, not behind. And five twenty two we first it's the attitude and it's the character of love. And in Romans twelve nine it says love must be what? Sincere. It's genuine. It don't take people long to figure out you're doing this to stroke yourself. You're doing this because you think you're better than me. You're doing this because boy, somehow it gives you a good feeling. But you really don't care about me. It don't take long for people to figure that out. But if you sincerely love people, they'll also recognize that. 
But also understand, a person who has not been regenerated, a person who is not saved, they may take advantage of your love. And that's okay, because I do it with Christ every day. I take advantage of his love for me every day. Number one, love that gives of self. Demonstrated that love. And we all know John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Now, now, now catch this with scripture, because it's important. He didn't save me by gold or silver or precious stone. He didn't save me by material things. He gave himself. And when you're in ministry to serve the people, what you're doing is giving what? Yourself. Yourself. It's not the material stuff. Though oftentimes people in need want what? They want the material stuff. But the thing that they really don't understand that they have need of is you giving yourself to them and pouring yourself into them. Well, Paul speaks of himself as being a, a drink offering in which he has poured himself into the lives of others. And he says, love that gives of itself. And in John 3.16, we see God giving of himself in his son. A love that covers a multitude of sin. Turn to First Peter. Because, see, one of the things that when you get into ministry... You have to be able to get beyond people and their faults. And oftentimes we get stuck with people and their faults. And it caused me to be blinded. Because I'm looking at their faults. Understand this when you're in ministry. Don't worry about what people can do to you. Because the scripture has already declared to you, if God be for you, who can what? Be against you. You ought to understand there's no weapon formed that can do what? Harm you. Whatever God brings to you, minister to it. It may not be looking right. It may not talk right. It may not be where you want it to be. But God has a purpose in bringing that person to you or bringing that person into your life. And you can't look at their faults. You can't look at their sin. You're aware of it. You know it's there. But what you want to look at is this. What God can do in that person's life. And what that person can become in Christ. So the scripture says in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of what? Sins. When you can't get past a person's sin, you won't be able to minister to that person. When all you can see is that person's faults, you won't get past. As I told you about Brian, as I discipled Brian for about two years and making that trip over to Youngstown. I never once told Brian, hey man, this shacking up don't work. This is sin. Never told him that. We just stayed in Scripture. And and when Scripture began to talk about it, Brian asked me, he said, Gus, we're living in sin, aren't we? I didn't have to reveal it. The Holy Spirit did what? Revealed it through the Word. I don't have to reveal people's sin. If I stay in the Word and praying for that person, the Holy Spirit will reveal to that person what what they need to do to get out of that sin. And the first thing they had to do is recognize it was sin. Me telling them was was sin was not going to convince them that it was sin. And you need to realize that about yourself. You telling somebody about their sin does not mean that they will recognize 
what they are doing as sin. But when the Scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks to them, totally different than your voice. Totally different. And it says, boy, love covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that just like God? He just covered a multitude of my sins with the blood of Christ. A love that deals with our sin. You always have to deal with a person's sin. But the way you deal with a person's sin in ministry is you pray for that person. You pray for them and you allow the Lord to know. Lord, and not that the Lord don't know, but Lord, deliver them. Lord, rescue them. Lord, show them. Lord, reveal to them. Go to Psalms 103, 12. Because while you're praying for them, it's like you have done something with their sin. Hey. 103 and verse 12. Let's pick up in verse 11 first. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. He's done what with our transgressions? Put them as far as the east is from the west, that he might what? Minister to who? To me. He had to do something with my sin. And when you deal with someone, you got to do something with their sin or you won't minister to them. You'll be talking about, oh, they deserve it. They made that bed, let them sleep in it. Yeah, they didn't weep what they sowed. But if you take that sin and put it as far as it is from the east to the west, you no longer see the sin, you see who? The individual. And that's what God wants us to see when we minister to people. We see the broken individual. We see the individual who's crying for help. Who is saying, rescue me, but don't know how to be rescued. You're seeing the person that want to have the broken chains off them, the sins of chains. on. They want to see that broken, but they don't know how to get free from it. That's what we're there for. Then in Micah, he speaks about dumping those sins into the deepest sea to remember them no more. It's a love that doesn't remember my sin. Go to Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25. Because, see, if you are dealing with people and all you can think about is their sin, their past life, you're going to do more damage to them. That's all you're going to do. Forty-three and verse twenty-five. He simply says, "I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake." Now, why would He say for His own sake? If God is holy. How's he going to touch that which is sinful? If God is holy and righteous, and if he's righteous, he has to deal with that sin. And he does. He puts it as far as east is from the west. He dumps it in the deepest ocean to remember it no more, that he might work with you and you and you and me. He's not holding my sin where? Against me. He's not holding my iniquities and my transgressions against me. But he desires to work with me. So he blots them out. He removes them. And we need to understand that. Go to Jeremiah 31, 34. Jeremiah 31, 24. Because we're dealing with this. He says, no longer will a man teach his neighbor 
or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Now, 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 now listen to this. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins, what? No more. I will remember their sins no more. You hear what Paul says in Ephesians. You once were, but you are not anymore. You once was this, but this is what you are now. You think that took place just in a one setting, in a one meeting? No, it was progress. And I want you to understand what Paul is saying there. Paul is saying it way after the conversion took place. That they might see the grace of God and the love of God. That God worked with you while you were yet blaspheming him. God was working with your heart while you were cursing him. God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. He did what? He died for us. God was working in your life way before the day that you said, Lord, be my Savior. And that was the love of God. The love of God working in your heart. Now, why do I need this agape love? Go to Matthew 5, 43. Because, see... If you're going to be in ministry, you need to understand what this verse is saying to us. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Understand something. Everybody outside of Christ really is your what? Yeah. Everybody who doesn't name the name of Jesus Christ really is your enemy. They might not define themselves that way. And you may not look upon them that way. But if it comes push to shove, if it comes to a vote for Christ, you're voting for Christ and they're voting where? Against Christ. And God's called us to minister to our what? To our enemy. The scripture says that we have enmity between God and ourselves at one time. And what he was saying is this, I was God's enemy. But understand this. Did I go up to heaven and knock on God's door and say, God, I want some information. Or did God come down to me, his enemy? And share his information. I love you. God came to me and told me he loved me. His enemy. One who blasphemed his name. One who used his name. And I told you this before too. When I was a skilled trader at Kent State working on the student center. Boy... I'm putting up some duck work, some large duck work, and boy, when you're hammering, boy, and you hit your thumb, what's the first thing to come out? Boy, I said it, and something came back and said, I didn't do it, you did. Because the first thing we want to say when something bad is that GD, no, God didn't do it. I did it. I hit my own thumb with that hammer. And it became so clear I ain't used the Lord's name again in vain since then. And the whole thing is this here. He says, he stand outside and he knocketh. That if any man answer. No. Though I am seeking God, God is seeking me more. God is seeking me more. And he says, you got to have a type of love that will allow you to even minister to people who don't like you. They're your enemies. They're against you. 
They're the ones who kept you from getting that promotion, but you got to go witness to them. They're the ones who stopped you from getting a pay raise, but you got to go witness to them. And you got to shower love upon them and kindness upon them. They're the ones that don't understand you, but you still got to love them in order for you to minister to them. They're the ones that is the cross. They get right there in your side. They are, they irritate you. Yet you got to love them. And God says, love conquers all things. So the very first thing that the Spirit talks about as the fruit of the Spirit that Satan cannot duplicate is a genuine agape love. Or brotherly love, fleshly love. Satan can duplicate that. But agape love, he can't duplicate. He can't copy it. And the first thing that the fruit of the Spirit for us, if we're going to use any of the other gifts and we're going to be in ministry to people, is that we got to have a sincere, godly love for people. And when we have that, we see people lost. We see people in need of Jesus Christ. We see people in need of a godly love that can only come from the Father. We see people who need to be healed, and the only one who can heal them is God himself. One of the worst things that are happening in our profession today, our professional world, there's a times that doctors wanted to be doctors in order to help people. Not for money, but to help people. There's a time that nurses loved to be nurses because what they wanted to do was to minister to people and help people. Wasn't about a paycheck, per se. Teachers were teachers because they wanted to teach. And they really wanted to teach. It was not about money and title. A public servant really wanted to serve the public. And it was not about the money issue. It was about being able to serve. And part of the world now has crept into the church. That everything we do in the church, we're going to get paid for. And even for the pulpit, the pastor, we bid, who's going to pay me the most? Rather than having a heart of a servant and love for people that you just want to meet their need. And that's why we need agape love in ministry. That we can really love people. Now when I was a chaplain at Akron General, they used to put the color sign up on the doorpost. And that certain color allowed you to know that this person had AIDS. Or you go into a person with a different color sign, it allowed you to know you needed an apron and a mask and clothes. I remember one time going into a person with AIDS, and I didn't put anything on because both signs were there. And the nurse was telling me, you need to put that on. I said, well, if I put that on, I'm saying to him, he's dangerous to me. And I just want to hug him and speak to him. And just be a normal person. Because sometime in hospital, we lose that normal personhood. Hey. And just went in and gave him a hug. He had lost all of his hair. Everything was there. The swords were out. But just give him a hug. Why? He was still a human being. Agape love gets you past the older of people sometimes. 
Agape love gets you past the breath of people. Agape love gets you past, oh, you need to take a bath. The agape love gets you past how they look or on the outer side. The agape love gets you past whatever title or position that they may think that they hold. Because you care for the person. And that's why he starts with love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And if you can't love people beyond what the outer shell is showing, then you can't be used of God. Because God doesn't look on the outer appearance. He looks where? And that's what God is concerned about. And that's what we should be concerned about. Last point. We are called to love each other. We are called to love each other. John thirteen thirty five. I don't know if I cut me off or if I went off back there. Or, yeah, I guess I cut me off. How's that? Uh, all right. We're called to love each other. That can be a difficult task. How many of you understand Christians have a hard time loving each other, even though we say we love each other? You do something wrong to another Christian, they're gone. You say something wrong to another Christian, sometimes they're gone. If you're not doing exactly what they may want you to do, they're gone. Yet we always tell each other, we love each other. In 1335, the Lord makes this statement. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now that's hard. Because Proverbs says, on sharpens what? So sometimes we got to strike each other. Sometimes we're not real nice to each other. Sometimes we're not totally in agreement with each other. But one thing is for sure. We love each other. And what we want is for the best of each other. When we esteem each other in a higher position than ourselves. And we protect each other. And we minister to each other. But we need to understand. God said, they'll know you're my disciples by what? Your genuine love for each other. Because he knew how hard it was going to be for Christians to love each other. Remember when James and John went to Jesus with their mother and the thing was, put one on the left and one on the right? And Jesus said, that's not, and and the other disciples got, got a little bit heated? You guys kind of snuck off from us and went and asked Jesus to put one of you on the right hand, one on the left hand. You guys trying to seek some power. See, we get mad at each other so quickly because we don't understand something. I can have nothing that God has not blessed me with. And we ought to know every good and perfect gift coming from where? And John the Baptist, even when his disciples, I'm talking about Jesus. John says, God gives the increase. Period. God gives the increase. I have all that God wants me to have. Nancy has all that God wants him to have. Roscoe has all that God wants him to have. Each one of us have what God wants us to have. And sometimes we do have little. Why? If you're faithful in the little, God says, I'll give you what? 
But first, I'm going to try you here before I put you over here. And it is tough dealing with Christians from day to day sometimes. And keep a love for each other. Sometimes it's because of our expectations of each other. Our expectations can be too high. And then sometimes our expectations are too low. And sometimes we are the hardest people to forgive each other. Yeah. They did that to me. I forgave them. I'm not going to talk to them. You really haven't forgiven them. Yeah, I forgave them. I'm not going to pick them up anymore. Let somebody else do that now. But you haven't forgiven them. One thing I think forgiveness is, I catch this, is giving the person the opportunity to do the same thing again to you. Where do I get that from? From God. He forgives me totally. But I truly haven't repented of that thing. Guess what happens? I go back and do what? Do it again. And I hurt him again. And he forgives me again. And gives me the opportunity to either learn from it or hurt him again with that. And he simply says, love. Love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We'll pick up joy next week. Because, see, we need to understand Because I'm in ministry or because I'm in service for the Lord, my joy don't come sometimes from what I'm doing. My joy comes through the relationship I have with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, for so great a love. And we pray, Father, that you would empty ourselves out of our fleshly love and bring us, Lord, to that place where, Lord, we truly do love out of an agape love.